This season on the Style That Binds Us podcast, we are having Rami Brooke, creative director of her eponymous lifestyle brand, Lola Riquiel, granddaughter of iconic French fashion designer Sonia Riquiel, and she is the founder of Pom Pom, Amanda Reese, the CMO of Living Proof, Carissa Bodner of Thrive Cosmetics, and so many more. We dig deeper than the surface and cannot wait to pull back the curtain and give you insider access to all things fashion and style. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. Today, we are talking to Gabby Basora, who is the founder of Tucker, and we wanted to do a little recap conversation about some of the things that we found most interesting to get you very excited for the episode. Bibi, take it away. Well, I enjoyed the whole whole interview with her, but I found it very interesting when we talked about family and juggling family. When you have um, a career, too, you sort of, it's like having another child, but she was referring to this idea of she has created a patchwork quilt of people in her life so that when one person maybe was not available, then there would be another person from the quilt that she could bring in to help her at the time. And then when that person was available, right about then the other person would come back from having a baby or whatever it was and to surround yourself with different people that have different skills, but that are all passionate about the same things that you are. And that's a great way to to be able to juggle uh, life and a career because women are faced with making a lot of choices that, um, you know, that it's unfortunate that they have to do when they're trying to have a career as well as, you know, have be a mom. Yes, and it was funny how she called it the motherhood marathon, right. I think. I loved Mommy marathon, absolutely. <laughs> I loved that, how she would be running down the street and even run out of her high heels, yeah. and the construction workers would say, go mommy. Yes. <laughs> That's definitely, I run around that city. I don't have right. children, but I certainly can understand running from place to place in our life that used to be so busy and go, go, go. Right. So we'll see if we ever get back to that. And another thing, Mom wanted to talk about in this beginning part was when Gabby talked about how she launched at Barney's. As you probably know, I worked there on the buying team, but this happened before I got there. And as you probably know as well, Barney's was the place to see and be seen. And I think when someone would visit the city, they would, Barney's was number one or definitely on their list of places to go and learn about new brands. So that was huge because people really trusted Barney's to source the earth, to find the latest and greatest designers and the fact that she got to work with the team there and they trusted her brand enough to introduce it to their customers. That was a huge turning point in her brand. And later she got to collaborate with Target, which is so incredible as a relatively unknown brand that they had faith in her. And then I also thought it was interesting about sustainability. We think that sustainability can mean many different things. And I think that is a conversation that is being had more and more. It is not just about the sustainable fabrics and or the sustainable way of moving the pieces around. And if they're made in one country and then shipped to even just add a button, you know, there's just so much waste. And hopefully after COVID, we're going to get back to more local, but also 
being sustainable is about the human factor, making sure that both your corporate employees, the people who make the garments, all sustainability means so much. So you're going to learn what it means to her in this episode. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, fascinating about, we had a great conversation about price, how to price your pieces, why that's so important and, and so much more. So I think we should just hop right in. Let's get to it. Okay, everyone. Enjoy. We are excited to have Gabby Basora, founder and creative director of Tucker, on our podcast today. She launched her women's lifestyle brand in 2006. This brand is adorable and has been worn by Reese Witherspoon, Drew Barrymore, Katie Kirk, Cameron Diaz, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and so many more. We met Gabby when she moderated our recent panel at Ludlow House, which happened in February, although so much has changed since mm -hmm. that <laughs> took place. We immediately fell in love with her and her brand. So thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure. And the feeling is mutual. I fell in love with you guys. That, that <laughs> Well, let's dive right in. Walk us through your career path. So I came to New York when I was 16 years old. I grew up on the West Coast and I ended up in New York City um, at Sarah Lawrence College to, in, I was studying in the creative writing program there. I was really interested in pursuing a career as a writer and loved storytelling. And I ended up graduating from Sarah Lawrence and going to work interning at Paper Magazine and uh, working for a film producer, uh, you know, so always in this storytelling world. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up working as a stylist in advertising, first in fashion, assisting, and then I, I segued into a more commercial career. Um, and uh, was doing wardrobe styling until 2006 when I founded Tucker. Incredible. So tell us what made you decide to start the brand? I started Tucker because I was, I, I actually was always making things for myself, finding fabric that I loved. And my great grandfather was a tailor. And during the maybe late 60s, early 70s, my mother had a little clothing line that she was designing pieces and my grandfather, her grandfather, my great-grandfather was sewing. Very small little niche collection, but she sold to boutiques in Chicago where she had grown up and where I was originally, where I was born. Um, but so it was a little bit in, in the blood, but I had not gone to school and I had not necessarily thought that was what I was going to do as a career. It was more that I would make things for myself when I felt that I couldn't find the right piece. If I wanted a trench coat or wow. I wanted a dress. Um, and often it was inspired by finding a very special piece of fabric on a travel or in a little shop in Manhattan. So it was mostly fabric inspired and created for myself originally. That is fascinating. I did not know that. You, you could make a trench coat? 
I could design it. I'm not a wonderful technician. Sadly, it skipped a generation. My mother <laughs> and and my son are incredible artists. They I oh. often have to ask my son to sketch a jumpsuit. I say, no, no, lower there, higher, oh, wider so legs. Cool. What a collaboration. That's so it's cool. amazing. But so so I have to, it's harder for me. I have to drape on the form. I I have, it's a little bit more laborious because I don't have, I'm not really good at some of the technical skills. Sure. I don't think I would be either. All right. This is a big one. And I know your boys are getting older, but how do you balance running a company and motherhood? You know, when the kids were little, I can say that I literally ran around. I ran the mother marathon. I did run some <laughs> marathons, but I ran the mother marathon. And I think most mothers that work or whether they work out inside the home, I have a friend who says, you know, I am a, I work in the motherly arts. Um, I love it. Twenty-seven. <laughs> right. So I literally ran right out of my high heels often. I would, <laughs> I would be at a meeting and I would want to make the school play or I would want to make school pick up. So I would run down the streets of Manhattan and sometimes I would run right out of my high heels and, and you know, the construction men would applaud and say, go mommy, go mommy. Honey, that's so cute. <laughs> um, but you know, I think for everybody, it's a juggle. I think that it's about making choices. It's about also, sometimes I think we have to make choices that we shouldn't have to make. You know, women have to work sure. very hard, I think, to balance a career and their, you, their, their desire to have that family life and then their desire to pursue their own grown-up dreams. And so it's definitely a juggle. I can say that I always had a great team at when I was working as a stylist, I had wonderful young women that worked with me that were, even if they were not mothers themselves, they were dedicated and they were really professionally driven and excited by what they were doing. And And then when Tucker started, I had the same type of women working with me. I really sought out people that were super passionate and um and also the women that I brought into my home, we were talking about this last night at dinner, how lovely the young women were I, that came students. And it was much more of, a, of a, a kind of a jigsaw puzzle. I had maybe a couple of girls that could do a couple days and I made these little patchwork quilts out of out of people in my life and it really served me well but I think you have to find the way that works for you and that, that makes you feel you're covered or right. the kids are in a good place and and it's always I think a balance because somebody can be happy and the next minute they're not happy or their needs sure. change or your needs change or the person goes on to get a great job that makes sense for them in their next phase of life. You know, it's sure. constantly a lot of movement and I think a lot of um, being receptive to change and um, embracing change because if you don't, you know, if you couldn't embrace it, I think then it was, it, it, it was, could be super stressful. I really embraced the changes. That's great because that, yeah, it, it falls apart if you can't be flexible. Yeah. 
I love the way you said the patchwork quilt. That makes a lot of sense. I think that will resonate with people. And I can tell now why you like storytelling. You're a good storyteller. <laughs> Very good. Tell us about how you chose the name, logo, colors, prints, silhouettes, etc. So I, Delia, had an appointment with the buyer at Barney's to look at the oh, line. <laughs> and, oh, do you think I've known them? It was Terrence and it was Megan. And Julie came in as well at the okay. time. Okay. So it was co-op. It was the co-op. Um, yeah. And I, it was two thousand. Probably just two had turned maybe the winter of two thousand and six when I met with them. Okay. And um, and but prior to that, in the couple of months before that, I had made these blouses for myself and was selling them to friends right out of my closet. And then when I had this appointment with Barney's, I thought, well, I need to have a name for the company. You know, at this time, people said. Uh, I mean, I had 25 blouses in my closet, but people said, if you become a huge sensation, you know, you might want to have a name that's not your own name. And right. so I started to think of, diff even though I do like my name very much, Gabby Basora, I think is quite pretty. And um, I ended up waking up from a dream one morning with Tucker on my mind. <laughs> and so I looked it up in the dictionary because I wanted to see what this word really meant. And one of the meanings of the word is a piece of cloth draped over the bosom, which okay. these shirts were just these flowy, blousey, drapey shirts. So it seemed the perfect thing. Um, but what's actually very interesting that I only remember in hindsight is that my we grew up in chicago my father was in medical school there my mom had us all within a succession of a couple of years three little girls and she my dad was in medical school but my mom is really not fond of doctors and hospitals so <laughs> she decided that she would have us at home and she had us at home with a, a midwifery service. And the the woman who ran this, this midwifery service that was actually quite formidable woman was named Beatrice Tucker. And, my, <laughs> and she delivered my younger sister. And so I remember hearing about this incredible woman, Beatrice Tucker, who was so courageous and delivered over 100,000 babies. And my father actually had attended some births with her when he was in his medical school training. So part of me thinks, was it more than sublim, you know, was it more than yeah. just a strange dream? But, um, but I, I do love the name. I do. I, I love that you can say Tucker up and, and tuck it in. And, um, <laughs> and one day, who knows, I think it also lends itself to men's clothes and even sure. beauty stuff it it just has a lot of flexibility it, there's a lot of possibilities yeah, so with the true. name so true. yeah so you started the brand because of a need you wanted these clothes that you couldn't find so how did you go about making that happen how did you actually go from concept to having those 25 blouses in your closet and then wholesale and building a company and all those things? 
Well, I had I had done a little research on, I had thought at one point about making some little clothes for the kids, perhaps the kids line. And when I was styling, I did see into, we would use most of the big brands because it was magazines. So you had the advertising direction in terms of some mm-hmm. of the brands that you worked with, but then there was always room for the emerging brands and, and, um, so I visited often showrooms that might have a collection of emerging designers and you would see these brands starting with these very small collections and then within a year or two they had developed into or maybe they won the CFDA award and and you would watch them become much more visible in the fashion world. So I had done a little bit of research, had visited some factories just that I'd gotten from the kiosk, the big button in Midtown. I mean, I really was quite um, resourceful. You know, I just had, If I think when you're a stylist too, there are certain jobs that you're kind of forced, obviously, to just be ready for anything. They're, things are constantly changing. So you become super resourceful in terms of figuring out just how to get things done. If you're curious or you need to get something done, you just figure out who is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did with the, um, with the factories in Manhattan. I just got a few names. I went around. I never had a letter of credit. It was so old fashioned. It was the old fashioned handshake. And I started <laughs> very small in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and launched at Barney's and Barney's was so great because it was the store that everybody went to to see what was new on the floor right yeah so we got a a lot of exposure uh, from being from launching in Barney's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was one of the best things about it I think Barney's it and when I moved to New York when I was that 16 and I was working at Agnes B on the weekends and I was babysitting and I literally ate dry pasta. You know, I had a very small stipend plus I had my money that I was earning on my own and I lived off pasta. (laughs) If the neighbor in the building who was elderly would sometimes send me to the corner to Joe's pizza to get her a slice of pizza, an older Italian woman. (laughs) And I was so glad on those days because I would take a few extra hot pepper flakes and Parmesan cheese home in a napkin and put it on my pasta because I didn't want to spend any money on anything other than clothes. (laughs) (laughs) We understand that. (laughs) I just that dried Ronzoni pasta, you know, I mean, with no boiled pasta with no seasoning. (laughs) Yeah. Good old days, right? (laughs) Yes, but that Dolce & Gabbana sweater that you could afford if that's all you ate really was absolutely delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, how did you all, you have such a, a smart price point. I love your price point. It's certainly an elevated product and an elevated price, but it is um, for what it is, that's it's. How did you how did you come up with that? Some of the things that I did, I I wished that I could take credit for, but they were um, not incredibly well thought out business decisions, but more 
if perhaps an emotional decision. I had friends in the industry that had luxury brands that said, Gabby, these are beautiful. You could price them. At the time, it was, you know, right prior, I launched right prior to the recession in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. So at that time, people were saying, oh, price them as a luxury brand in the thousand dollar for a blouse. And in my head, even though by this time now I was married, I had two children, I still remembered how much I loved fashion when I was cocktail waitressing and interning and babysitting and how I wanted the girls that really were loving fashion so much to also be able to afford um, right. to save up for a blouse and not have to save up for too long. So right. I priced them in a contemporary price point, which then served me very well because we became profitable during the recession because when when women who who normally were shopping the luxury market felt a little bit, you know, the budget was tightened or even just yeah. kind of they we became profitable because we were offering a beautiful 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 item for a very reasonable yeah. price. Sure, right. And and once you do get married and you do have kids that's certainly not the time when people are, most people, women spend a lot of money on themselves. You know, they're, <laughs> they've got football or, you know, soccer, all the different things that come along with <laughs> raising kids that are so expensive now. So um, I think it's great for, for every age group. Yeah, it's, right. I, I, I was glad to see that you asked that question because sometimes you forget about how important it is to, be priced right. I mean, from the outside, but also from the inside when it comes to your margins. And it really is, it really is important to the health of the business, what your pricing is. Right. And the same goes with the fabric, the quality. So there's that little dance you have to do, I'm sure, where, you know, you have to make a little money and you want to keep your quality, but you also want to make it a price point that, you know, people can afford. So you all have done a great job with that. Well, thank you. I wish I could take a little bit more credit than just still being fond of my cocktail waitressing days. <laughs> 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 At the time I did say, mom, this is the best job. I never want a different job. And so I think oh. she, she's glad that I just the, the, gave my homage to the job in the price point of the blog. Yes. <laughs> and how many collections do y'all have a year? So uh, the interesting thing is that we are now um, pretty much rolling out a new collection every month because a few years ago I partnered with Resonance Companies, mm -hmm. which is um, they really have uh, put a tremendous effort into uh being able to do on-demand ma manufacturing, you know, which means that they don't have to have a really long lead time into development and then there, there are no minimums. And so it's given an incredible flexibility. And, you know, I think with the now with consumers shopping online and now in this moment, especially only pretty much online, there's, 
there's the ability to, you don't have to go to the store, you don't have to drive to visit, so you can, you can be going often to, to visit the stores, the designers that you like, and it's nice that we have the flexibility to update and, and to try things in different colorways, and, um, you know, sometimes things don't really take off in the beginning, you know, Delia, you know this from, like, the retail landscape, like, you can have something that doesn't really take off in the beginning and you might take it down or not buy more into it. And then it's that slow seller and all of a sudden people end up loving it. It could be one of your best sellers. So it's nice that we have the flexibility to put something out, to let it live there a little bit, to add new things, to, you know, when you like move a flower bouquet around, all of a sudden the bouquet looks totally different. And I feel like that's how it is with the print. Sometimes whatever's next to it can really affect how it looks or its desirability. So we're in a good space with this, uh, putting out smaller yeah. collections every month. I think that's so great. That's it's so smart because that gives you your newness, but also you're not, you know, flooding the market with too many clothes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sustainability can mean so many things. How is your brand sustainable? You guys have asked such fabulous questions. I love the questions that you're asking because I think, you know, they have always been relevant, but feel even more relevant right now. And, and I, I've always said that even before we were manufacturing in this way um and i'm very very proud to be part of the resonance companies and to be able to be manufacturing this way you can feel very good about it as a as a human being but before this moment i also felt like sustainable if you're making a product that lasts literally for years i have i have seen women in fashion week um, during Fashion Week in New York, wearing a dress from the year we launched in 2006, which means that you've designed a piece that that holds up beautifully, that lasts in style and in wear. And so to me, that all of a sudden you're talking about a blouse being less than a penny a day. You know, if you, right. you have it for 20 years, if you're, it's something that you're going to give to your daughter, your granddaughter. Um, so it's always been very sustainable because it was made with such quality and timelessness. Um, but I also think there is this whole other level of sustainability, which I think of the, to sustain people's livelihoods, right? When women have a job in your company, they earn, they, they're, sometimes they're the sole breadwinner of their family. Sure. Um, and then all the, the women that wear Tucker and they feel great in Tucker and they go out into the world and they have their jobs and they teach people and they're doctors, you know, or lawyers. So I, we've always checked a lot of boxes on sustainability, but I think that, you know, now we also can check one that I think is really relevant, really timely and super important. So mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. 
Any tips for getting a business to profitability or positive cash flow? <laughs> well, I would say that again here, sometimes I've made impulsive decisions and for creativity, for storytelling, for even just for desirability of, of opportunity, if it was a collaboration, but you didn't really feel like it was going to have a huge return, but you wanted to do it for the the energy that it might, or the momentum it might give the brand. Um, as far as the true business nuts and bolts, I think that I've had great advice. My I've worked uh, in the beginning of Tucker's story with Hilden, uh, um, who are factors, and they just gave very wise advice in terms of staying very focused, not getting, not trying to do too many things at once, you know, right. and using using your budget wisely. And then again, you know, I, I was not always so smart when it came to margins because there were a lot of things we always manufactured in the USA. There were a lot of things that didn't have that, that margin that was really the, the ideal margin. But I think if you, have, um, if you have a very focused business, and so our production was always very clean. We weren't doing millions of different styles and so I think it's just about the right balance and paying attention to paying attention to the numbers and not being um, not not overly growing places that you want to grow to show off a little bit with the right. fancy office or right. those kind of things. I mean, it's very tempting. And, and sometimes you think, oh, well, you want people to think you're bigger than you are. But I think those are the things that can really damage a business in the beginning i think remaining as agile as possible mm -hmm. but that just that worked for me it's the one story i know and i know that there can you know there are a lot of different ways to to come to success so i just only know my way well, i think that's great advice for people i really do definitely um you know that 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 saying stay in your lane you know don't try and do things for the wrong reasons because it's you know it's not gonna it's not gonna help you in the long run. Be authentic. Yeah, I I think it's it is it is good advice, um, and and I'm glad that I've had good good people around me to right offer good good advice. So I hope if this ends up being helpful to people that are curious about doing their own projects yeah exactly that's that is definitely a part of our audience so um we love to give them tips about you know different experiences that people like you have had um how would you describe the tucker girl i would say that she is generous a generous woman a generous girl, a generous lady, but I think generosity is important because the clothes are generous. Often they're colorful, mm -hmm. they, they're bold, they're big um, in personality. But you know, the one thing is that not every Tucker, you know, woman is an extrovert, and just because she likes to wear a colorful print, I mean, we do have solids as well, and um, 
but whether she's kind of wearing this strength on the inside or the outside, I think that there is a strength to her and uh, uh, interest in just have feeling like a unique individual. I think there's something about Tucker that feels like when I wear this blouse, I'm wearing the blouse. I'm not wearing, you know, the blouse, I'm not the blouse. The blouse is becoming part of my, 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 my world. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. And they just, the clothes make you happy too. make you feel confident. Yes, made by women for women. <laughs> and tell us about your inspiration. Where does that come from? I mean, that really does come from everywhere. It comes from uh, the little flower you see on the tree. It comes from conversations. It comes from seeing um, other people wearing things. It comes from meeting people like you. I mean, I have to say that since you invited me to the shoots party. Yes. And I know Marina and I mean, I've seen the store before, but I never went in. And when you guys invited me to that party and I went, I think I've become their biggest fan. I get their shoes for people for birthday presents. I, (laughs) I, and so it's it's about sharing and and the conversations and exchanges. And so that's really important. It is so important. And now, so the next question is, tell us about what design details are important to you and fit. So what is it like the ruffle in the right place or the collar or, you know, what is it about fit that you're thinking about when you're making the pieces? I would say that, uh, first and foremost is a sense of, of being <laughs> comfortable and at ease, mm-hmm. yeah. which, you know, the flowy Tucker blouses that you can feel beautiful and slightly carefree, but you're also dressed up more than, you know, if you were in hey. something more casual, casual. But so I think that that often I'll turn around my shirts and wear them backwards and play around with where things fall. Um, you, you know, often when I'm designing things, of course, I might have, oh, I want this to be there, but I also feel like I want it to be that that women will take these pieces home and decide, yes, often the dresses will come with a belt, but like you could take off the belt and then just put on your own leather belt or not wear a belt and they should be able to look good you know, in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. I would say versatility is important. Comfortability, because we all kind of, if you don't feel comfortable with something scratchy, as much as the kids say, mom, it's scratchy. I feel like, where's my mom? I want to tell her when something's scratchy and it doesn't <laughs> feel good. You know, it can make you feel so uncomfortable if you're wearing something that is uncomfortable. And then when it's uncomfortable, you it's not your go-to piece. Like the thing that's so great about Tucker to me too is the pieces that I have, that's that you look in your closet and you're like, okay, if I wear that, I know I'm going to have to iron it. If I wear that, you know, I need this other pair of pants. But the the especially that new shirt right now, I'm looking at it as we speak. You know, I can wear it with my jeans. I can wear it with dressier pants. It's so comfortable. It feels great against your skin. It's definitely a top that people reach out and say, 
wow, that is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, that's why it's such a great part of a wardrobe because you just grab it, you know, and go and immediately you look polished and feminine and lovely. So it's comfortable, but it's not sloppy. I mean, you know, it's not so casual, like you said. Yeah, you look like you've you look like you've thought about what you're doing for the day, and right. even if you just grabbed it and and put it on, which yeah. I think all of us One. feel we need a couple of those pieces in our closet. Definitely. As much as you want the crazier pieces or the pieces that you definitely have to put more thought into, this is one that you know you really can just. Right. Um, put on easily and, and have all of those qualities that you want to have. Everybody's so busy. So like it'd be the great top to use for um, a Zoom call for work. Mm -hmm. And then you can also have it on with, you know, your jeans with the, the rips in them, you know, <laughs> in a totally different way. It can be a dressy piece, casual piece. My age would wear it one way, day might wear it another way. You know, it's all good things. I love to hear you say that. That really pleases me so much because, well, one, you guys are gorgeous and I just love to, I love the relationship that you have. I have three sisters and we're very, very close and you know, I've always adored the women that have been on my team. The men too, you know, we have yes, yes. different, and I have three sons. Mm -hmm. But I just, I love that you say that. So I like that you guys have also this beautiful relationship with your audience of just sharing and kind of helping people find their way and, and something that people might think is frivolous, but actually I think is such an important part oh, of, yeah. of our well, sense of well-being, our sense of optimism, our sense of confidence. Well, and somebody said to me, you know, when you lose, it, when you lose beauty in your life, um, you know, you lose a part of your, your soul. So it's, you know, some people think some things are frivolous, but, um, you, you know, in fact, they're what, what gives us reactions, what makes us happy and feel passionate about life and everything, you know, so things of beauty are not frivolous for sure. Tell us about the design process. So how far in advance do you work? And with the prints, is that sketched out? Is it created digitally? So in the beginning, I was really a, a one woman band and then I was a two woman <laughs> band and then I was, then I was a quartet and you know, now I'm like a big symphony orchestra. Um, <laughs> But I do have an extraordinary team, and, and now the process is a little bit different in the sense that we are making units of one. So when you order something, it's made for you. We're not sitting on inventory. So there, the process is a little bit more complicated. Everything is, things, prints can be hand-drawn, and then they're digitized into the computer because you know, the computer is making the prints on the fabric. So it's, it's actually quite a efficient, well-orchestrated machine. Now the lead time, you will, you can get a piece of clothing, you know, within a week that's been made specifically for you. It's right. the, the design was already made and the, and the fit is already perfected. So it's just a matter of, 
kind of lining up those, you know, pieces um, in the factory. But the lead time, it's greatly shortened from what you would typically expect. But there, it also varies because if you're, you know, when we're developing new bodies, there's the fit, there's the first sample, there's the perfection of the fit. So it really varies and it can vary because a lot of the a lot of the styles that we introduce have a lot of qualities of pieces that already have, you know, have a nice resonance with the Tucker audience, right? In terms of the fit or the drape. So um, it really depends, but it's not as long as, as, you know, it's not in the three to six months range right. that it used to be. Yeah. And then tell us about the effects of COVID. Are you changing? Are you slowing down the collections, the newness? What things have changed maybe for the better or maybe not, but they were forced. <laughs> right. Well, originally right after COVID, the factory did have to close because uh, it was only essential workers were allowed right. to go to work. So we were we were making masks and we were donating to COVID relief, the, all the proceeds from the mask making. And um, we were very happy to be part of that and happy to be able to have the factory open, even if it was minimally, at least it was open partially. And, uh, and I think it's interesting for everybody to see right now, I mean, there is still a need, you know, we are doing our Zooms. LA reopened today, so uh, Paris is open. Mm -hmm. um, even if people are allowed to work from home indefinitely as a choice, which I think is quite exciting, just when we go back to that whole balancing motherhood and family, to be able to work from home has its benefits. Um, but but I think that there there is a sense of reopening, reconnecting, Mm -hmm. And, and so we'll see, we'll see what that means. Of course, there's also, I think, a lot of change behavior just in terms of people feeling much more comfortable to shop online and not go into retail stores. So we're just waiting for all of that to it kind of settle into place. And we we feel very positive that we're in a good place to be able to respond to people, to their desires, you know, how we want to give them things that they find beautiful that make sense in their lives and make them feel good. But then you also, how do you deliver it to somebody that also offers that same experience in the way that they want to be able to shop it, experience the brand, all of those things. We're, I think we're all in a moment of just reimagining how things are going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. And guess what? It changes every week <laughs> or day. <laughs> day. Right. So, oh my goodness. Tell us about loss and how you can recover from that. So I think maybe there was a fire that you experienced. And even if you're at your lowest point, how can you find positivity in that? We definitely had, we had the fire in the studio. We had a girl uh, that had worked for us that ended up getting sick and passing away that, you know, you're in such a tight little right. world. It, these kind of things can just be so devastating. And, um, 
but I think again, just the sense of, I think this is where in the family, uh, Mm-hmm. A strong mother, or father, or auntie, or grandma—that figure who is optimistic, who feels like any challenge is surmountable in mm-hmm. business. It's the leader that is really um, showing the team that you can persevere. And right. even if, you know, I read one of these business books that it could have been Scrum, it could have been uh, Ben Horowitz's "The Hard Thing About Hard Things," which I also mm-hmm. love. Um, and there's a chapter that says how to lead when you don't know where you're going. And ironically, we went to a family event and we rented a dollar van in the middle of the night. We were driving through the redwoods of California trying to find my uncle's house. And it, it filled, my sister's filled with the kids in the car and no <laughs> GPS. And somehow in my phone, these two pictures got merged together side by side. And I said, how perfect is that? You just have to just... Just don't worry. We're gonna right, get right, there. Right. We'll, be fine. we'll get there. Oh, yeah, that's- and and I think it's the same thing. It it being optimistic and courageous fuels other people, and it fuels right. yourself. It's contagious. Somebody said uh, there was that great quote by Maya uh, by Michelle Obama, something about you know courage is contagious, right? Oh yeah. Mm. Oh. So yeah, that is it I don't sometimes I don't know how I did it but I'm thankful that I did do it (laughs) that I that I did it I'm proud and and I know that I didn't do it alone I know that I had you know people in my life and um that gave me my whether it was my neighbor who was an elegant woman who was so courageous in her career and the choices that she made and you know it's just that you connect with people and just in the same way the inspirations come but you connect and and you listen to people's stories because I loved your story you know when you were just talking about Allison how you're like you're dancing and your career Mm -hmm. as an educator and then moving into this other field just this there's so many stories phases phases in our lives right Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We exchange books or they suggest you read this or I went to business school. So I have books that I've read and I really do reach out. My sons who are now 20 and 18, they recommended, a, my middle son recommended a book to me that he had found looking for books that he wanted to read on positive psychology called Flourish, which is fabulous. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And um, little tricks, little tricks everywhere right yes that story reminds me mom and because of that me we both have a terrible sense of direction I (laughs) mom and I and so whenever I was young and iPhones you know didn't exist until I was whatever older smartphones and so we would be lost and she'd be like no no we're fine we're mommy are we lost again no no we're fine we're gonna find it very soon (laughs) (laughs) we were so lost (laughs) i have allison i have been there you want to cry you just are so scared and you know that you have to it's just once i was at a friend's house and there was a massive spider on the wall and my two sons said mommy that huge spider i said Darling, nothing to worry about. It's just a spider. Night, night. Close your eyes. And then all night I stayed up staring at that spider. 
<laughs> pointing at him saying, buddy, don't you dare come down here towards this bed. I, my eyes are on you. <laughs> but I didn't sleep that night and I didn't turn off the lights. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You just, as long as, I was thinking about that with my newest Tucker shirt. When you see mom, you know, if you come in in the morning and your mom is in a cute top and some jeans and her hair is washed and she's fixing breakfast, then it sends this unspoken message to the family that all is fine, all is well, we're going on as, as, as planned. But if you come in the room and your mom is still asleep or she's, you know, really disheveled, she hadn't had a shower in a couple of days, she's in old sweatpants or something like that, or a big old robe, then the kids think something is not right here. Something very scary is happening because mom is not doing well. <laughs> you know, I love you said you said that before. I think you might have alluded to that at the panel, and I I repeated that story to my sisters, and it is very powerful. I mean, I you know I'm sympathetic to friends of mine. You know, everybody's had phases in their life where they just couldn't get to the shower oh, to the pretty top, but it is true. I mean, it is so true, and I think that there have been moments in the business after the fire, you know, where I just, I literally did just want to crawl into bed and not come out of bed, and there were moments when I was heading to the office thinking, I want to turn back, I want to jump back into my bed and hide out there and hope this just goes away on its own. Right. But <laughs> it's so interesting. I was watching the Today Show this morning. We'll just, this is one little quick aside, and one of the um, co-hosts for the third hour, her name is Chanel, and she was talking about right before she goes on camera, she takes a deep breath and looks in the mirror at herself, and she says, you know, okay, we've got this. And it's the same kind of thing. You know, you get dressed, even when it's really a tough time or you're scared, you know, you just take a deep breath and look in the mirror and say, you've got this, and on you go. It's, it's, it's very powerful. It's so powerful. My Italian professor at Sarah Lawrence, she was so tough. We, and I was not, um, I was late. I was disorganized. And so we had a very rocky start. She was very organized and punctual and elegant. And, and I really admired her. So she we she ended up be, I ended up asking her to become my advisor and we have to this day we'll still meet a few times a year and when I was teaching at USC I asked her for lunch I said I'm really nervous about will I do a good job and right now politically you know there became a lot of just different conversations around education and academics and right. I wanted to make sure that I did a good job and and um it, through the course of knowing each other, she explained to me because I said, oh, you're so elegant. I love the way you carry yourself and I admire you so. And she said that she carries herself after a professor that she had, that she admired so, but she learned after becoming you know, more friendly with his professor that the professor had polio. And so she had this incredibly erect uh, posture because the only way that she could hold on to her portfolio was that she would put it against her chest and then place her arm over it because, you know, her she had some paralysis. Right. So, but so this thing that 
that was something that all, we that Judy fell in love with and and admired so, and then I admired Ju- Judy for it. And right, so it's powerful. It's so powerful. And we have a friend of the family who was a, a dean at, at the Harvard at Harvard, and she said that she could have well afford to move out of her neighborhood that she was living in, but she stayed because she wanted to serve as an inspiration to her community. She wanted young girls in her neighborhood to see her waiting for the bus with her briefcase dressed up and wonder who this woman was and where was she going and what did she do. That's cool. That's wonderful. It's powerful. And I think when you said, who is the Tucker woman? And I said, generous. It's an act of generosity. People, when I sometimes go to the grocery store and I put on my Tucker in the morning or to walk the dog, people will say, you look so beautiful. It's as if you've put a little flower on the street. Right. 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 Exactly. Or where are you going? You look so nice. (laughs) That's what we always get. Okay. Tell us about first working with wholesalers and then going to D2C. (laughs) D2C. So that was for me a dramatic shift. I that was a very uncomfortable shift for me. It was, it was as if I was a dancer being asked to do a new dance that I, you know, all of a sudden had a routine that I'd been dancing for twenty five years, and now there's like a new dance that you have to dance, and right. and it wasn't one that I wanted to do. I liked the old dance um, <laughs> because the thing about wholesalers is in every little every little town village you take the I went to school in Bronxville you get off the train there's the boutique there's the owner of the boutique like Tony and Tony and they sell Tucker and they would call the women that come to their stores and say we just got a new shipment come in so you had this very intimate personal sisterly sharing uh community relationship. And I didn't know how that could be recreated in, you know, the D to C community. And because I wasn't, I wasn't on Instagram. I wasn't an early adopter of Facebook. I still, you know, I'm not really comfortable in that space. So I, it was a tough challenge, but I think that, you know, it, it is very exciting. It has so many opportunities and, and, but it was a it was a tough shift, right? I can imagine it wasn't a natural shift, and 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 they still feel that I still don't want to see retail go away. I still think that mm-hmm. you know we as human beings need to have the, these physical moments together mm-hmm. and space. Creating physical space is important, especially if you have this eye for design and for ambiance and all these experiential moments, there's Mm -hmm. something to physicality that is nice about that. Yes, definitely. Mm. Any advice for an aspiring entrepreneur? I just say go for it because there, no one has the crystal ball. No one knows what is, no one knows what's going to resonate. And what I think is interesting is that these little economies, um, smallness you don't need huge audiences to have a nice business and so while there are the you know amazons and the big big businesses of the world there's still an opportunity to have a thriving small business and if it's run well and and you can be profitable and so i say go for it and 
And as long as it's something that you're passionate about and is interesting to you, I think that that's probably the start that you need. Mm -hmm. yeah. What challenges have you faced running a business? There are too many, you know, to list here. <laughs> I feel that we could only look to old songs like 50 ways to leave your lover, like 50 ways to, <laughs> to suffer in business um, or uh, so, so many. I mean, there are just so many. There's uh, losing employees to life changes. There's the hurricanes and the recessions. There's the fabric that gets sewn on the wrong side. There's a you, the factory using the old pattern that wasn't updated to the right fit. So, I mean, it's kind of like what challenges don't you face running a business? Because there you can't make it up half of the time. I mean, no one could ever say watch out for this because they wouldn't even imagine it could happen half of the time. You're like, are you serious? Who would have expected this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so what challenges haven't we faced? I mean, we've faced many challenges. What but, you know, I think it's always like it, even just, you know that employees have to, you know that your team is going to, somebody's going to marry, somebody's going to have a baby, but, you know, you're always like, did it have to be today? You <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> just keep going. You just keep going. What was it like to create a collaboration for Target? That was a superb experience. That came about through a relationship that I have with DMA United, which is, like, they are called Designers Management Agency, but they really broker a lot of, they're kind of like matchmakers in the fashion industry and different at one time they represented MoMA and they work with the MBA and um, so they made this introduction and at the time I, it, we were relatively unknown a brand and it was super exciting. The, the team at Target, they really know their audience very well. They had a, they made it a very exciting, easy way to collaborate. They were very very thrilled to be working together. We were thrilled to be working with them. And, and I must say that I still see women posting on Instagram themselves wearing their pieces from that collaboration that was in 2010. And there, there have been times when I left my house in the morning, there was once when we had our store on West Broadway, I was waiting, I had forgot my keys and was waiting for some of the other gals to show up. And there were three women on West Broadway at nine o'clock in the morning, myself wearing Tucker, another woman wearing a Tucker blouse and a young girl wearing a Tucker for Target and a piece. And this was already again, like in 2014. And you imagine if this girl bought that dress for $29, it was just, it was made well. It, we designed it well. We, right. So that, that was a highlight. I mean, I wish that they, you know, they always say like it's a one-off collaboration. I said, invite us back. Right. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's wonderful. What's the biggest thing you think that needs to change in the fashion industry right now? So many things. Yes. 
many things. I think that um, my partners have created a program called Be Resonant, which is kind of like a CFDA program where they're going to fund some emerging designers and uh, in communities that maybe have less access to opportunities than than others. And so it's exciting because I do think the fashion industry, in the beginning, there are certain things. We talked about what advice to an entrepreneur, and I did say start, but the thing is there there are some capital requirements that are just quite hard to work around. I mean, in corporation, buying a domain for a website, legal certain legal fees. I mean, you know, there are certain costs of starting a business that you have to have access to and you don't have anything to show for it that would make it hard to like go into a bank and say, hey, I've got an idea and I need the money to you know incorporate myself and my legal fees and to start a website and to to do the first samples of the collection. So I think what's tricky is the capital needs. Um, and then uh, um, some of the issues around sustainability, inventory holding and promotional sales and all that, you know, it just, it creates a bit of a environment that, you know, makes it very difficult to maintain the margins if things are going on promotion too quickly. So, I mean, you could, you could say there's a million things wrong and then you could say that, you know, like any other, any other business, it has its challenges, but it also has a lot of opportunity to do exciting things and to succeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the on-demand manufacturing. How does this model work in a cost-efficient way? So is it easy? Can anybody sign up to work with residents and start doing this on-demand manufacturing? Well, I mean, not just anybody can, but obviously they are, the goal is to be working with many different brands and, and helping people uh, be part of this manufacturing system that is really efficient and I think benefits the world. Um, So right now it just, it, the, mostly the thing about on-demand manufacturing is that it, is it, it, you don't have inventory. You don't say, okay, I'm going to propose that I'm going to sell this many units or you're not requiring. You ideally imagine like when you were buying at Barney's, if a brand came to you and said like, here's five blouses, you can buy 10 of them right now or four of them. And then as they, if you see that two are the like sharp sellers, we'll get you back into inventory in a week. You could get 50 more, right? Instead of having to really project what was going to be the winner and and then that creates also I think like a monopoly on what becomes the winner because it collectively has to have a winner right you know in terms of minimums and manufacturing and stuff so sometimes I think the real winners were only the winners because that was the, what everybody decided they were going to buy into. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and also I just think it put a lot of pressure on, on buyers to get it right as opposed to be more adventurous and try things and let the customer decide a little bit. Um, this feels much more of a, of a kind of a collaborative, 
thing that happens with Mm -hmm. rather than just all the burden being put on the buyer and the store and then the brand, you know, it just, it was felt a little bit more punitive. So this is exciting and brand, and they definitely want to grow the brands that they work with. So it's a great resource for other um, companies should be in touch with them. Obviously there are, you know, constraints they have to keep growing and they, they want to, um, and I think for other companies, you know, it's cost, it, it, you have to, you have to know how to manufacture clothes. I mean, normally it would be, you would be outsourcing to a factory and, um, there would be different, different relationships that you would have to this manufacturing. So it just, it, they've made a very serious commitment to this endeavor and it it's exciting that it's it's um going so well because it's an important change to make right important that's one of the biggest issues these days why people are going bankrupt in things is all the inventory that's why the wholesale model is broken and all sorts of things so and, and buyers aren't fortune tellers right you know, to have to make these guesses right so far in advance the whole thing so it's all very very exciting like you said what's next for Tucker? <laughs> well, that is always a good question because we want a lot of things to be next. I mean, with the brand, we're going to be uh, putting out some little girls pieces and, um, and it was just the great thing about it is that the prints lend themselves to a million different things, whether it's tabletop and, um, and loungewear, our robes are exquisite. And so, I mean, there's a lot of great things happening now. And then the, the exciting thing is to just think about going deeper into different categories and um, really just connecting with audiences. I feel always that if, if every woman in the world could just have one piece of Tucker, what, you know, I don't want to sound like, like to give the world a Coke, you know, the Coca-Cola, but I do think that there's something, um, that there's so many different markets and women around the world that I just would love to see Tucker in, in places of the, in the world that I really love and have certain color palettes that are, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's so true because I feel like the only negative about direct-to-consumer is just, you know, keeping in people's minds when you're not, you know, in a store. They're not constantly seeing things like that. So you just have to work hard to just keep, you know, building brand awareness and, like you said, growing around the world and, you know, getting more people in the pieces that talk about the pieces themselves and, you know, it just keeps well, growing. Yeah. I mean, luckily we have each other and, and there are people, you know, like you guys are out there doing such a gorgeous job of connecting with an audience that relies on you to help them discover things and to, um, you know, and then that touch point has the ripple effect. Somebody that, that relies on you might have somebody that relies on them. So it's exciting. And to see how we can just do what the retail stores were doing, but, you know, kind of amongst ourselves and. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly right. 
And sometimes, you know, it might be, you know, unexpected or sometimes it moves a little more slowly, but it's kind of like when people say something, we needed something to go viral. It's like, well, that's like a one and done. This is like a real thing. This is really, you know, one person wears it, then two people wear it, then three people wear it, then, you know, everybody's wearing it. It's that kind of thing. And it's because of the quality, the price point, the, all the sustainability factors and everything, all of it wrapped up to, into a package is, is why we, we feel so strongly about it and adore the brand. So tell everybody where they can find Tucker. So right now, the best place to find Tucker is on our website. That's where the you can find everything that we're making. And, um, you know, we don't have a huge wholesale imprint right now. We largely, again, like are doing most of our business on our own website. And that is, you know, also as we were perfecting this units of one and really focusing on our our sustainability model. We, you can only have so many priorities in a business when we said like stay in your lane and focus and don't try to do too many things at once. But um, the one thing just to go back to about the viral thing is like, I truly believe that it's very, uh, to connect amongst ourselves and that viral is exciting when you're talking about how many views something has, but that doesn't necessarily, we can look at something. It doesn't mean that that's going to touch us to want to own it or wear it right sometimes it's for entertainment's sake rather than for user friendliness so i feel very good about um focusing on real authentic relationships and these kind of conversations and 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 it's good that you don't you're not in wholesale right now with everything that's happening and um you know it's like the other day a client called me about another brand that we had worked with six months ago and she said you know, what is that brand? What do they have for this season? So these things, you know, you never know where someone else is messaging you, you know, what is that top or whatever. I mean, it's so interesting how, you know, it just spreads out into the world in a more real way. I feel like it's in a more permanent way than just something you see, you know, in a post or if it's um, carried in a store in a boutique, you just can't reach as many people. Well, let's see what happens in this ever-changing world. You know, I mean, we just, I'm very happy to connect with you guys. I respect this mother-daughter relationship, maybe and even outside of respecting it. I, I, I admire it. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I do. My sons are absolutely adorable and they love those too, but it's different. You know, we're certainly not I mean, we did want to dress Harry Styles and Tucker, so I can say, like, if it's mother and son or his of the same thing. Absolutely. We need to come to L.A. and meet your sister, too. Uh, You do. Uh, All of them, indeed. Yes, that's right. All of them. All right. Well, thank you for being here on our podcast, and we encourage everyone to go to the Tucker website. You are going just to die. I mean, every single row, it's like, can it get any cuter? (laughs) It's so true. And you now know more about the lovely woman behind the brand. So we hope that you got a lot of knowledge and insights and we'll see you next time. If you like what you heard, 
tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.